Hi, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor of New Life Fellowship Church. And for those of you watching online, a gift to have you worship with us. At the end of our service, I'll be downstairs uh, in the lobby area. And if we've never met before or if we haven't seen each other in a long time, please make your way downstairs. I would love to uh, get to know you or shake your hand before you head out. Today we are closing our series on the Holy Spirit. For the last three months, we have focused on different aspects of what it means to uh, know who the Holy Spirit is and be in relationship with uh, the Spirit of God. And today is our, our, our closing, and so I'm going to summarize in about 30, 33 minutes or so, uh, three months of teaching, which is actually a good deal if you haven't been here for two months or so. You get the entire series in, in 35 minutes. I don't recommend that as a spiritual practice, however. But, you know, I'm going to miss the two months and then come for the, you know, the summary and all that there. Don't do that. Uh, join us on the journey. But the reason why we have been focusing on the Holy Spirit is because there's often three different postures that the church tends to have as it pertains to the Holy Spirit. The church has either, either forgotten the Spirit, is frightened of the Spirit, or has a way of forcing the Spirit. Some of us, we just forgot the Holy Spirit, which is why there's this quote by A.W. Tozer. Uh, he says, and let's put it on the screen. I want just to see this. He says, the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today. 95% of what we, do, what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. And it's a, it, it is a, uh, a sobering quote. I don't know if 95% is accurate, but here's the point. We can be so dependent on ourselves that if the Holy Spirit were to walk out, we would not know the difference. And so what does it mean to have our lives fully dependent on God, opening ourselves up to the life of the Holy Spirit in such a way that actually makes a difference in our lives so that we can join in what Jesus is already doing. And so we're going to focus today on summarizing where we've been. And for our time, I want to look at a passage of Scripture out of John chapter 20. Because Jesus relates to his disciples in this passage in a powerful way, in a way that I believe Jesus wants to relate to all of you today here and watching online. How does Jesus relate to his disciples in this particular moment? And so John chapter 20, you can follow on the screen, uh, verse 19 to verse 22, hear the word of the Lord. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together... With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leadership, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I have good news for you today. Jesus wants to breathe on you today. If you're watching online in this room, Jesus wants to breathe on you. He's already been breathing on us this entire service, this entire gathering. He wants to breathe on us as we hear the proclamation of Scripture today. And so let's pray together. Jesus, breathe on us through your Spirit. Give us eyes to see what you want us to see and ears to hear what you want us to hear and a heart to receive every gift you have for us this day. We pray these things in your name. Amen. 
The other day I was doing some things around the house and some chores and going back and forth and, and I realized that my battery on my phone was actually about you know, 5% or so and so I needed just to, to charge and I'm the kind of guy that I don't wait till I get to 40% to charge up. I mean I go low. How low can you go? I go as low as I possibly can go and then I fill it up again and I know it's a bad thing to do and so I'm at 5% and I thought I better just charge this thing and so I saw the cord on the kitchen counter and mindlessly kind of just plugged the phone in and went about my business. About 30 minutes later or so, I was going to pick up my phone to make a, a phone call. And when I picked it up, I noticed that the phone was completely dead, completely out of battery. And I soon discovered what the problem was. I had plugged it in on one end, but the charger was not actually plugged into the outlet. And so he, follow me here. It looked like it was charging. I thought it was charging. But in that moment, it was as dead as it could be because it was not connected to the source of power. And when I thought about that, I thought, what a metaphor to close out our series on the Holy Spirit because it can look like we're being charged. We can think that we're being charged. But at the end of the day, we can still be very spiritually dead if we do not open ourselves up to the power of the Holy Spirit. We can mindlessly go about our day doing the things that we think are charging us and doing the things that we think are filling us and not have the life of God flowing in us and flowing through us. And this is what Jesus wants for his disciples in this text and in our lives. Jesus wants his very life to empower us, to saturate us, to, to pervade our very existence. You were made for life. You were made for joy. You were made for peace. You were made to have the life of God flowing in you and flowing through you. This is the desire that Jesus has for his disciples and for the world. And this is why we see why the Holy Spirit was sent into the world to fill us with the life of God. And that's what we find ourselves in our story this morning. In our story this morning, in the text that I just read, the disciples are having the worst season of their life because Jesus had just been crucified. For three years, they journeyed with him. For three years, they ate with him. For three years, they celebrated with him. For three years, they ministered with him. But now he was crucified right before their very eyes. And so because of their close proximity to Jesus, they concluded if they did that to him, we're probably next in line. And so these disciples go away and hide themselves from the leadership of uh, the day. And so these disciples go into the room, and John notes in this gospel that their room was locked. He doesn't say shut. He says their doors were locked. Their doors were locked. It, it reminds me of, of if, you, if this was in an urban setting here, it would look something like this here, okay? <laughs> the doors were locked. Some of you locked your doors like that in the Queens. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's getting in, and nobody's getting out. And so these disciples are afraid for their lives, thinking my life is in danger. Let's lock the doors. No one's coming in. No one's getting out. And I imagine all the disciples are huddled together as they're closing all the locks. And then in one moment, they all turn around collectively, and they're shocked. Why? Because Jesus, the one who was dead, is not just alive. He's in the room. And they did not see him come in. 
Could you imagine the scream that would have come from you? Ah, I mean, the scream, just a massive scream if you turn around and see Jesus. Now, what's fascinating is in Jesus' glorified state, he's able to, to eat breakfast with them. He's able to have them touch his side, and how, he's able to go through walls. I can't explain it, but he is inside of this uh, space where his disciples are, and I love the first words that Jesus speaks to his disciples. These disciples who denied him, these disciples who rejected him, these disciples who abandoned him when he needed them the most. And the first words that Jesus says to his disciples are, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Those would not be the first words that I speak to those who have denied me and rejected me. My first words are, what happened? That would be, this would be in my gospel. What happened? Why'd you do me like that? How could you leave me? I did all that. What happened? That's what I would have said. But Jesus begins with peace be with you. This is our, the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, so merciful, so full of grace, so full of love. And to just let them know how much he means it, he says it again. Because they probably could not believe that those would be his first words. Once again, he says peace be with you. Absolutely beautiful words. And after he says, peace be with you, he says, as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. And then he, with that, he says, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what Jesus is doing in this moment is he's commissioning his disciples but I love how he does it because he could have laid his hands on their head and says, as the Father sends me, so I send you. He could have done something along those lines, but instead Jesus chooses to breathe on his disciples and send them out into the world. And when Jesus breathes on them, he's reminding them of the ways of the stories that they had read and know about from the Old Testament. When Jesus breathes on them, he's reminding them, calling to memory what they have read in the Old Testament and letting them know that the God who did that is the God who's right here in front of them right now. In Genesis chapter 2, look how the Bible begins. When God creates humanity, it says, The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. God breathed into Adam, and it's like Jesus is saying, The same God who breathed life into Adam is the same God who is breathing life into you right now. And this is good news for all of us in Queens because the same God who breathed Breathe life into his disciples can breathe life into you right this very moment. We are reminded that our aliveness does not come in our own strength. Our aliveness comes because God breathes on us. And so in Genesis, we see that God breathes into Adam, but that's not the only place where God is breathing. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, there's a valley of dry bones. There was this Israel was an army. They were powerful. They were vast. But now they are in a valley, and they're dry and desolate and fragmented. And one day, God called the prophet named Ezekiel and said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And he said, I, Lord, only you know. And he said, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to these bones. 
and call the wind from the east and from the west and north and from the south and prophesy life to these bones. And what's interesting is in Hebrew, the word wind and spirit are the same thing, the same thing. God breathed life into those bones and they became a living army. And what Jesus is saying is the God who did that for them is the God who's here right now. And the God who did that for the disciples is the God who's here right now as well. Jesus breathed on his disciples. Why? Because they were short of breath. Exhausted. Do you know what it's like to be short of breath? I know what it's like to be short of breath. The other day, I, I haven't worked out in forever. I decided to just go from zero to 100 uh, real quick. And um, some of you will get that reference. And, and, and. And I decided to do insanity, uh, yeah, insane of me, yes. I started doing insanity, and, 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 and I'm always the guy who's trying to keep up with the people. I know I haven't worked out in 10 years, but I want to keep up with the people on the screen. And seven minutes I into it, I'm like passed out, this late, needing breath, needing breath. If you've ever been out of breath, you know how debilitating this is. And I want to tell you that individually and collectively, we live in a society that's out of breath. I have said that the last couple of years, we, we are, we're living in a CPR world, a C, and it's an acronym for the convergence of three powers that have come into our world, converged into our world. Three powers, three forces that makes it hard to breathe. Our hearts are ailing. CPR, a world marked by COVID, a world marked by political idolatry and racial injustice. The, 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 the convergence of these three powers over the past couple of years has made it hard to breathe, has made it difficult for our hearts. Our hearts are ailing. And that is on top of just the regular stress of life, the regular stress of parenting, of finances, of marriage, of having multiple jobs, of trying to figure out my mental health. There's already problems out there, and now we have additional problems. We live in a world that's it's hard to breathe. And I want to tell you that this gospel reading is so important for us because Jesus knows that about your life and knows that about the world, and he wants to breathe his life into you. And so what does it mean that Jesus breathes life into us? That's what we've been talking about for the past three months as it relates to the Holy Spirit. What does, how do we understand the breath of God coming into us? What does Jesus want to get done in us and through us by breathing into us? And for the rest of my time, I just want to summarize where we've been over the past three months. What does it mean that Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit into us? The first thing I want to remind you from this series is that as we think about the Holy Spirit, we must recognize that God's presence is accessible right here, right now. Oh, that's good news. God's presence is accessible. Right here, right now. It's an interesting experiment. I ask children often, my children or, or, or people, adults for that matter, where does God live? Where does God dwell? And, it's, it's, it, and we often, our answers are often spatial in that God is way up there somewhere. We're here and the devil's down there. And so as a kid, I would hear, uh, you know, some of my aunts, wait, you don't want to go down there, right? You don't want to go, you better tell the truth. You don't want to go down there. So I was like, I don't want to go down. I don't want to go down. So it's like, God, us, devil, down there. And so when we had that response makes it seem as if God is way out there. 
super distant from us. But when we read the scriptures and we hear what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, we recognize that God's presence is not way out there. As a matter of fact, as St. Augustine said, God is closer to me than I am to myself. God's presence is accessible right here, right now. When our Lord Jesus Christ died, there was a curtain in the temple that, se that separated the most holy place from the people. And not everyone can go into that most holy place. Only a priest can go in one time per year. But when Jesus dies, it says in the Gospel of Matthew, I believe it's chapter 27, that the curtain is torn in two, which reminds us that we have access into the presence of God. The Hebrews writer said we can come boldly to the throne of God to receive grace when we need it. Right here, right now, God's presence is accessible. Because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. And so we were reminded throughout this series that we don't walk alone. Amen. We have a companion in the Holy Spirit. A guide with us. Someone who longs to direct our ways. But God's presence is available right here and right now. Transformation is possible at any given moment. Why? Because God's presence is here right now. On your job, you can be a conduit for the power and grace of God. Why? Because God's presence is accessible right here, right now. All that's good news. God is near to us. And when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit has really one primary objective. They're secondary and tertiary and all the rest. But the second thing I, we talked about that I want you to remember is that the Holy Spirit has really one task, and the central task of the Spirit is to point to Jesus. The theologian Dale Bruner said that the Holy Spirit is most present when Jesus is most central. The Holy Spirit is most present, present in a church, present in your home, present in your life. The Holy Spirit is most present when Jesus is most central. And we need to be reminded of this because it's very easy in the church and in our own personal lives to make something other than Jesus the central thing of our life. We can make achievement the central thing of our life. Accumulation of stuff, the central thing of our life. Getting people to like me, the central thing of my life. But my hope is that our lives will be oriented around Jesus, that we would live, sleep, eat Jesus, that we would, he would be our very life, that when we wake up in the morning, my prayer is that the first word that comes to mind is Jesus, not followed by, I don't want to go to work, you know, not, but just <laughs> Jesus. And when we go to sleep at night, may we rest in the arms of God, Jesus. The question is, is your life, is my life oriented around Jesus? And the Holy Spirit has one task. I mentioned that the Holy Spirit, some of you will get this, some of you will go, who uh, is, is like Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon is the guy who said, here's Johnny, here's Johnny. He, he would always point to the Johnny Carson for that late night show. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Here's Jesus. And the question becomes, are we pointing others to Jesus? Not just that, is he, uh, is he our life? But are we pointing others to Jesus as well? The Holy Spirit comes so that Christ would be central in our lives. 
The third thing we've discovered and learned and we're reminded is that the Holy Spirit doesn't just offer presence, but presence. Not just presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, but presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, gifts. The Holy Spirit offers both presence and presence. And what I love about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit gives gifts not because we're good, but because God's good. I love that the Holy Spirit doesn't wait until we have unlocked various achievements of the spiritual life before the Spirit starts giving us gifts. The Holy Spirit doesn't wait until we've put in 72 hours of worship time on Sundays and 37 hours of prayer time at home and 26 hours of volunteering in a ministry. And then the Holy Spirit says, all right, now here's the gift. No, that, that would be, I'm, I'm working for something. But the Holy Spirit gives gifts, not because we've been good. The Holy Spirit gives gifts because God is good. How generous is the Holy Spirit who doesn't wait until we have achieved a, a spiritually elite status before pouring out gifts of the Holy Spirit. And what you have to walk out of this gathering with a reminder of is that if you belong to Jesus Christ, he's given you gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, what is the gift of the Holy Spirit? The gift of the Holy Spirit is, uh, is an expression of the Holy Spirit that empowers a follower of Christ to strengthen the body of Christ. It's an expression of the Holy Spirit, that's what a spiritual gift is, that empowers a follower of Christ to strengthen the body of Christ. And gifts are meant to be opened and used. Could you imagine uh, you love someone and, and, and you really thought hard about a gift for them. It's an anniversary, it's a birthday, uh, something along those lines. And, and you're just like, I, I really want, I love this person, I really want to get them a, a gift. And, and you actually really think hard about a creative gift that would be meaningful for them. I, I'm not talking about a gift card at CVS. I'm talking about something just like, you're, 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 and I've been there, I've, I've been there. Oh no, going to the birthday party, I swipe, you know, give them the gift card. I'm talking about something meaningful, something, something meaningful. Meaningful. And then the birthday party comes, the anniversary comes, and, and, and you give them the gift that you've worked so hard just thinking about and entrusting to them. And, and, and you go, are you going to open it? And they go, oh, you know, I'll wait until after the party to open the gift. They go, okay, I understand. No problem. All good, all good. And, and then the next day comes, they go, hey, you text them, did you open it? And they go, no, 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 I'll get around to it. Don't worry about it. And then a week goes later, uh, have you opened it? Oh, I've been so busy. I just, so I, I, I'll get to it. And then a month goes by, have you opened the gift? You know, and, and you're just so angered that you spend so much energy and, and, and care and, and time and, and love because you want to, it's a gift, it's an act of love. And, and to receive the gift is an act of love as well. To, to open the gift is an act of love and to use the gift is an act of love. How, how, how difficult would it be to give something to someone and they never even open it. And when I think about the church, I often think, how many people has the Holy Spirit given a gift to? 
and we've never taken the time to open it. We've never taken the time to look for it, to search for it, to, to actually put it to use. And I believe if God has sent you to this community, God has sent you to this community for many different reasons, but one reason is because he's entrusted you with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that gift is meant to be for the strengthening of the body of Christ. I, I've, we, we've talked to be the church means we're not a mall, we're not a stadium, we're not a subway car. We're, we're not a mall, we're not a crowd of, of consumers out here for religious goodies. We're not a stadium. We're not a crowd of, 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 of spectators just looking from a distance. We're not a subway car. We're not a crowd of anonymous people in close proximity to each other. We are the family of God. We are the body of Christ. We have been filled with the Holy Spirit and given gifts of the Holy Spirit to strengthen one another. And if God has sent you here and you belong to Jesus Christ, he's put something in you that needs expression. That needs to be given out for the sake of others. And my hope is that as we are entering into a new season, we are in a new season as, as, a, as, a, as a congregation, a whole new season. We're in this in-between space. Is it pandemic? Is it endemic? I don't know, but I know we're in a new season. And this fall, when we usually begin our kind of ministry calendar, we are in a new season with great opportunities and lots of challenges before us. And I think about areas of challenge. You're going to hear about this more from me in a letter next week. But I think about what's happening in the life of our children's ministry. Before the pandemic, pre-K, elementary, middle school, high school, thriving, uh, just energy, tons of kids. Over 200 kids will be coming here on a Sunday morning and, and pastored and shepherded. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But now we're at a phase in our church life where we're up against some significant challenges. That right now as I speak, for our 11 a.m. service for elementary, we have three kids ministry volunteers. And it's been a rough couple of years, and now we're at an opportunity to rebuild something. To shepherd children in our midst. To raise them in the way of the gospel and have the Holy Spirit flood their life. But right now, for all the hundreds of people that gather, and New Life is probably over a thousand people who call this place home. And right now we have three people serving our kids. My hope is that you would get a fire inside of you to disciple kids who will one day take over this church and lead this church and be our future elders and be our future evangelists, that we would do something. But if the Holy Spirit has brought you here, there are gifts that he's given you that are crying out for expression that other people need. The Holy Spirit doesn't just give his presence the Holy Spirit gives presence. Number four, what have we learned on this journey? Well, we've learned that the fruit of the Spirit is the most credible demonstration of our relationship to Christ. God bless you. <laughs> We're doing it all here. The fruit of the Spirit is the most credible demonstration of our relationship to Christ. It's very easy to see like, miracles and i and lord i pray the lord pours out healing and miracles and all the rest boy do we need it and miracles are one of the ways that god loves us healings are one of the ways that god loves us but we must never mistake the primary fruit of having a relationship to jesus with all the miracles and such the primary 
demonstration of our relationship to Jesus is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. How do you know someone belongs to Jesus? You look at the fruits flowing from their life. What we, what we see in the scriptures is that God has one solitary, really, uh, passion. And that is to have followers of Jesus resemble Jesus. Paul said it this way in the book of Galatians. He said, I'm in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul said it again in Romans chapter 8. He said, God predestined us to be conformed to the image of the Son. And so God's desire is that our lives, our character, the ways we make decisions, the ways we love our enemies, the ways we resolve conflict, the ways we show up in the world, we would look more like the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the very life of Jesus. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's the very life of Jesus. To talk about the fruit of the Spirit is to first talk about how this is expressed in Jesus towards us. For Jesus is love. Jesus is joy. Jesus is peace and goodness and kindness and gentleness and forbearance and all the rest. That's who Jesus is for us. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus is all these things for us. And in the process, he wants to form all these things in us so that we may be the presence of Jesus for others. That we may be people marked by love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control and all the rest. But we have been called to look like Jesus. That is, that is as your pastor, that is my overwhelming passion. That you would be in communion with Jesus Christ. And that your life, little by little, by the animating power of the Holy Spirit, will look more and more like Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is the most credible demonstration of our relationship to Christ. And lastly, it's this, and then we'll receive communion together. We're reminded throughout this series, number five, that we are called to be empowered witnesses in the world. We are called to be empowered witnesses in the world. What I love about this text that we read, look at verse 22. Jesus says to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I love this verse so much. Here's why. Jesus shows up to disciples who have failed him. Jesus shows up to disciples who abandoned him. Jesus showed up to disciples who are spiritually inconsistent. And when he sees them for the first time, he does not bring up their mistakes. He immediately sends them on mission. Why is this important? Well, many of us often think, if you only knew my struggles, if you only knew my inconsistency, the reason why God can't use me is because of my inconsistent spiritual life. But I want you to hear the grace of God in this. God does not use perfect people. There are no such things as a perfect Christian. God has a history of using broken, frail, inconsistent, 
bad attitude New Yorkers <laughs> to accomplish his purposes in our city and in our world. I know none of you have a bad attitude, but, God, but for everyone else, God has a way. When he sees his disciples, he could have brought up this mistake and that mistake and the other, but he lets them know, I am not looking for perfect people. I'm looking for people who would submit their lives to me. I'm looking for people who would receive forgiveness. I'm looking for people who would live in radical dependence. I'm looking for people who will partner with me in seeing my kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And when Jesus calls us, he calls us not just for religious goodies and not just for spiritual goosebumps. He calls us to get something done in this city. We see this most, perhaps most profoundly in the gospel of Luke chapter 4. Let's have the worship team come forward. In Luke chapter 4, we see this relationship that Jesus has with the Holy Spirit. In Luke 3, he's baptized. John the Baptist baptized him. He comes out of the, the water and the voice says, this is my son who I love and whom I'm well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit sends him into the wilderness for 40 days where he's tempted by the evil one. And after being tempted by the evil one, he says these words as he comes out of the wilderness. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Hear those words. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Not so that I can get a little religious feeling. No, no. You've been empowered. There's something that needs to get done. God has sent you to your workplace. And he has anointed you to go to that workplace to get something done. You're at that school not just for an education. You're at that school to partner with what Jesus is doing. You're in that neighborhood right now, not just to have a good time there. God has sent you there to be the very presence of Jesus in a world that desperately needs his presence. You are sent to be an empowered witness in the world. And what was true of Jesus is also true of us because the Holy Spirit lives in us. I look at you today and say the Holy Spirit is on you. Because the Holy Spirit has anointed you to preach good news to the poor. The Holy Spirit has anointed you. Who, me? Yes, you. To proclaim freedom. To set the oppressed free. To partner in what God is doing in this world. To work for compassion and mercy and justice. To pray your kingdom come, your will be done. My hope as we enter into a new fall a new kind of ministry year next month is that we would all be pushing on the same wall empowered by the holy spirit serving one another working for justice in the world and in all things bringing glory to jesus for hear these words from our lord as the father has sent me so am i sending you amen let's pray together Before we receive communion, I want to give you an opportunity to offer your own repentance and confession before God before we pray a prayer of confession together.
I know what it's like to live in dependence on myself, dependence on my abilities, dependence on my skills, and not live in radical dependence to God. For all these things, I must confess and repent and turn back to the love of Jesus. I wonder if you need to do the same. I want to give you about 20, 30 seconds or so, the silence of your own heart, to offer your own repentance, and then we'll pray a prayer of confession together. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's pray this prayer of confession on the screen together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and our neighbor through our own fault. In thought, in word, in deed, in what we have done and what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. If you need to receive one of the elements, just raise your hand and one of the ushers will, will hand you one as we take and receive communion together. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me, as the people of God set free by the broken body of Jesus Christ. Let's all receive together. same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns as the people of God forgiven by the poured out blood of Jesus Christ let's all receive together Lord Jesus, thank you for the gifts of your broken body and poured out blood. And it is through your body and blood that we have access now to you through the power of the Holy Spirit in ways that we never could have before. Breathe on us this day and 
may we be your presence in this world. We sing to you now words of praise, words of worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's, let's sing together. I search the world But it couldn't fill me Man's empty praise And treasures of faith But never enough And you came along And put me back together is now satisfied here in your love oh, oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you Lord there's nothing nothing I know it's true I'm not afraid to show you Is the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better.
exhausted, out of breath, as it were, and God used those words to fill me with life. And I imagine some of you came into church this Sunday, you're watching online, and last week was a really difficult week for you. Challenges in your family, financial challenges, health difficulties, hard decisions that you need to make, and you're wondering, God, where are you? I need guidance here. And you came into church and you need the breath of God in your life. And maybe some of you had a bad week and you know this week is going to be very difficult as well. And you need the breath of God in you. That's why we close every gathering with an opportunity to receive prayer. And for whatever need you have, whatever struggle you came to church with, whatever longing of your soul, we want to pray for you. For those watching at the end of our service, uh, one of our elders, uh, Judith, will be leading our sermon discussion time. And so if you just want to have a conversation with someone about uh, what you've heard uh, today or in previous weeks, it'll be a 30-minute discussion time to connect with others and just have some good dialogue. So feel free to join us on the link that's provided on the Facebook website, newlife.nyc, or on our YouTube page. My prayer, friends, is that the Holy Spirit, that we would be mindful that at every given moment, the Holy Spirit is breathing on us. You know, I often think uh, there, there, there's not a day and not a moment when the Spirit of God is not trying to breathe on us. But there are plenty of moments when I turn aside, plenty of moments when I cover my mouth. And I understand um, that impulse. But every given moment of our day, the Spirit of God wants to breathe life into you. And my hope is that for the rema remainder of this summer and as we move into the fall, that our lives will be marked by the receiving of that breath in prayer, in scripture, in community, and all the rest. Let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven. Let me bless you. Let me offer words of blessing over you. And the reason we end with blessing is because we want to receive out of which we give to the world. You were meant to be a blessing. You were meant to not contribute to the cursing that's going on in our world, but to blessing. You were meant to be the very presence of Jesus in this world. And so with your hands in your hearts, in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building and out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit.
bearing witness to the fruit of the Spirit and the power of God to rescue the lost. May you be filled to overflow as you offer your life to the world around you. I bless you on the strong and the beautiful in the life-giving name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you all.